Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Welcome to Episode 5 of Lawyers and Libations with Sarah and Rebecca. We're back! Woo! Thank goodness. Glad to be here. We made it again. Hallelujah. Today, we're just having us on the show, though. So you get some very fun, intimate time with us. Um, So I brought our drink, and it is Four Roses Bourbon, because I am a big fan of bourbon on the rocks. Um, And it's delicious. It's one of my favorites if you're just looking for uh, an afternoon cocktail, not like a... I look at your face. Oh, that's an afternoon cocktail. So this is my standard get home uh, after work cocktail that I always mm. have just on the rocks. Have you tried it yet? Nope. I'm going <laughs> to give it a whirl. I'm you not really a bourbon girl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you're a North Carolina girl, so you should be. It's delicious. It is good. Nice hints of Did you, you're like, honey, maybe. There are nice hints of honey and some, like, smoke a little bit, a little oaky. Um, So I think that my love for bourbon started. My dad always drank old granddad, and so when I was really little, I used to take sips of his every every evening. You know, I do like the smell of bourbon, Mm -hmm. but I think I just typically shy away from it because I get so red and flushed. Yeah. Like it doesn't. I think it's it because it's my delicious. Rosacea. Yeah, <laughs> rosacea. It's not, not it is. It is delicious. But so um, I actually drink. Uh, if I'm not drinking a vodka soda with the three limes, which has lovingly been declared the Sarasota, um, I am drinking a bourbon on the rocks. Yeah. So I also um, Bill Evans with Evan Schultz Mornicky, that law firm. He belongs. He's a good friend of ours and colleague, and they do personal injury work here in Atlanta. And they he Bill belongs to an international bourbon club. Um, I guess seventeen ninety two, fourteen ninety two, something like that. Um, but it's from members all over the world, and so there are a lot of obviously lawyers and doctors in it. Um, but there's also like some CIA guys and FBI guys, and fun. You need to get in that. It's this fascinating. Going to be hot and smart men. Well, in this, uh, probably there are. Well, they're all lovely. They're all over the age of probably fifty five or so. But they are um, fantastic. Not that I have anything against that, but they're fantastic, and I love them. But every year they convene in Atlanta and they have a big bourbon tasting thing at Bill's house and when they do that because there's no women in this club shockingly enough um, they usually reserve the head of the table for me and it's so sweet and I go over there and I drink all the bourbon with them and I think they were very impressed that I held my own um, the first I think two years that I went and didn't you know no one had to hold my hair back and barf or anything well, I, I have to be honest. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But I don't know. I couldn't drink this whole glass, I don't think. I'd have to take a nap. No, no. You end up fine. Okay. It, yeah. It, it and It's a wonderful little treat after work. It's it makes you not want to kill anybody. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be good. <laughs> um, but so I actually had the owner um, before he sold it and major... Um, main distiller of high west who sat down next to me at this table and he was like these are some new ones that we have come try this and i was flattered and it was lovely um but so i am a bourbon girl so four roses is a lovely uh daily evening cocktail if that's what you want so you don't have to spend the big bucks on it but it's just very smooth and nice delicious. I'm going to warm up to it, I think. And again, you'll see by the end of this episode, there is a chance you might be hammered. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not used Mm -hmm. to drinking bourbon on the rocks, um, 
you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, you drink more wine than I do. Mm-hmm. Also, like, Same the, thing, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's also the, um, what is that type of uh, coffee drink, the terrible thing that makes... Espresso mercury? Yeah, I won't touch those. So, so I think you build up a tolerance to what you normally drink. Mm-hmm. And so you might be in trouble okay. after this episode. I will be fine because this is my normal <laughs> drink. But if you gave me like two glasses of wine while we talked, it'd be sure. all downhill from well, there. We'll try that down the road when it's... Your turn. When it's my turn. Absolutely. Yes, girl. Um, well, have you been paying attention to this crazy story in Utah? Do you know what I'm talking about? Wait, is this the woman who, who wrote the children's book? Uh, yes. On so, her dead husband that she it is made crazy. I don't know, for our listeners out there, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but Sarah and I do joke a lot about, you know, if we had to kill um, people in our lives, how we would do it. and how we Generally protect, our husbands yeah. or ex-husbands, yeah. but yeah. How mm-hmm. we would, like, do it and hide the bodies and, and have a perfect murder. This woman in Utah almost had the perfect murder. Um, so... And then she had to go and write a damn book about it. That'll get you caught every time, I you mean, moron. And granted, this is, these are all allegations, so who knows if they're true. But she has been arrested. They're probably true. They're, I mean, it's the craziest story I've ever heard. So in 2022, her husband died mysteriously when she was sleeping in the other room with their children. Allegedly. Allegedly. What uh, did he die of? Well, he died in his sleep after she had given him a Moscow mule. Uh-huh. What was in that Moscow mule? Did she roofie him? She apparently hired some drug dealer to get her the Michael Jackson drug. Oh, propofol? Yeah. Can you drink propofol? I don't think that's just Well, I'm wondering, she must have mixed it up in the drink. But according to to my research, because I'm like full deep diving in this crazy story. (laughs) You're trying to figure out how not to get caught. Continue on. This is amazing. So apparently she tried to poison him two other times leading up to it, like in the six months prior. And both times the husband told his friends and family, if I die, it's probably because my <laughs> wife tried to kill me. And yet he stayed. Why wouldn't you leave? She might be really good in bed. That's the only thing that well, I can... apparently he didn't buy her the house that she wanted. So, so she, she up and offed him? Yes, but nobody... So I guess it's... We friends. didn't involve fentanyl as well. Fentanyl. Yes. Like, so I think she tried... Like, so she did fentanyl. Like, she tried to poison him with multiple things that I guess hadn't worked. Like, he got really sick after eating a sandwich and passed out for like 12 hours. <laughs> that would have been I when I called it's 911 terrible. and left. Right. So she crushes up fentanyl, puts it in his Moscow mule. He dies in the middle of the night. To cover her tracks, she goes so far as to write a children's book about getting over the grief of dead dad. So I saw Um, the picture. It's like, are you still with us or are you there? Are you with me? And it's all about these little children and about dad, like, continuing to be with them as they're growing up. So I think she would have pulled it off, but... She tried to poison him twice. Had she killed him initially, I think she nobody would even, this wouldn't even be in the news. She right. would be selling this book on Amazon, who has since pulled the book. So clearly she's not. So now we can't even get like the good, no, comforting, I'm sure we can go. psychological <laughs> side of this murder. That's um, terrible. But so I think my hunch is why she got busted is she called her husband's insurance, um, life insurance policy that he had at work and tried to change it multiple times from his business partner to her and so i think the insurance company you think that's not a flag well i think that was the flag and so i'm wondering yeah. if that's what got husbands like you know wheels turning hackles up but again that she might be trying to murder me and she did try to murder him twice and he stayed with her and did in fact get murdered it is the crazy i cannot like i can't wait to know more i'm like should i start 
should I go out to Utah and like do a full investigation? You know what I think it is? I, a, I think that you should, but B, maybe now she can make money from prison on how to give uh, probably porn star head because I'm thinking that had to have been it of why he stayed with her. I mean, two times already tried to murder you imagine? him. They're and he's like, it's fine. It's not a big deal. <laughs> just keep walking so, I mean, it I off. I just think like as a general like friendship and partner role, I'd like for you to make sure that if I show up and say, hey, I think my husband's trying to kill me and this is why. If he is in fact trying to kill me, will you at least be like, hey, you need to move in with me? Leave? Yeah, for sure. I, I've got your you back on that. guy's friends. Like, um, very concerned. I don't, because I did, I was like shifting through because there was also, uh, I, I'd read a couple of the stories about it, but kind of glanced through it. But there was also another woman who like two years ago or something wrote a book on how to get away with murder. Like the actual fucking title said, how to get away with murder, and then she killed her husband. <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's not going to work out for you. These women are, they're crazy. They may not generally be the ones to, you know, take a um, an assault rifle and shoot up a school, but they will kill you if you're their husband They'll and you mess husband. around. Yep. They are done so. Um, so I also started watching that new lo- is that Life and Death or Love and Death on HBO. Uh-huh. Same thing. I think it's like a I'm first episode in. This couple starts having an affair, and I think she kills the... Uh, the guy's lover, or no, the guy's wife. Oh, so she's the lover. Mm-hmm. So it's like a fatal attraction type thing. Out of Texas. Mm-hmm. Oh Jesus, I can't watch things like that. I but that all makes me very nervous. Well, you should try it. Yeah, it's good. Mm-mm. Very good. Um, so I also thought today would be fun since we don't have a guest for us to get a little history and get to know Sarah better. Ooh, right? all right. And so before the episode, I asked Sarah, I was like, "Do you want to send me some questions?" And she said for me just to shoot from the hip. So. So I'm going to be like, surprise me. <laughs> God only knows what yep. she's going to say at Sarah this point. Starting now. Um, you you obviously, have always been worried about me getting my deposition taken, so I'll try and. I mean, you have a potty mouth. Uh, I so do. Like, I do. All right. I'll try and work on it. And Go you're ahead. not And you're not good at like, one of my favorite things about you is that you don't have a filter. No. But you at I, least know where you always stand with me. That's a plus. It is not. There is no like mask of happiness. Uh-uh, I'm not fake. <laughs> Nope, I'm definitely not fake. If I don't like you, you will know. I want to say that I'm fake, but you definitely never know if I like you or not. <laughs> That's true. You can pull, you can actually can be you can be much nicer. Like when people say keep your enemies close or your friends close for your enemies closer, I don't subscribe to that because I don't want to be anywhere fucking near my enemies. Absolutely not. Uh, my enemies are all very close. I know. They don't even know. <laughs> You're like, they live. Becca, dear God, I hope it's not me. Okay. No, it's not you, though. Okay. It's so screwed up. All right. What you got? Um, okay. So I'm going to start with just some easy ones. Okay. Um, what made you want to be a lawyer? I actually, you know, like in kindergarten where you write your thing, what you want to do uh, whenever you grow up. So what will, what will I be when I grow up? I actually wrote down lawyer. Um, so my dad was an attorney and he came out of law school and did, um, some civil rights work in Florida and worked on desegregating some schools down in Sarasota. And then he did insurance defense for a little while and he hated that. So he stopped doing that. And then the rest of his life, uh, that'll come out of a different story on the things he got involved in at that that's time. That's when he's our guest. Yes, that's <laughs> when he's our guest. Uh, I think he's way past statute of limitations on most of that stuff. So I don't think he could go to jail, but he was an amazing uh, lawyer, and so our family kind of grew up with a big social justice vein. I've got uh, three younger sisters. The youngest one is uh, or was a public defender for Manhattan Legal Aid, so she represented a lot of uh, felons and Rikers when she was living oh, up wow. in Manhattan. And then my second youngest sister was a human rights lawyer 
so she actually went to Guantanamo Bay twice and checked on um, the detainees down there to make sure they're both following uh, the protocols that they needed to. So I uh, was kind of raised with a strong social justice background, and um, every night at our table was arguments, shockingly enough, about different things that were going on politically or different things that were going on in the world and, you know, kind of what we thought about them, and then we'd have to kind of defend our positions. So got used to fighting for the underdog uh, or wanted to fight for the underdog when I was younger, and it just kept drying on out. I was a history major at Carolina, and other than being a college professor, which I'd rather kill myself than do, you go to law school. And um, and then I wanted to do international human rights, but again, you really can't do that when you're from the U.S., and there's not a lot of jobs that focus on that. Now, my again, my sister, she did it because she also went to Penn Law and she has like Mensa level IQ. Right. So she can get those jobs yeah. for sure, but I couldn't. Not smart enough. So that's why I wanted, that's how I became a lawyer. And so how did you end up becoming a workers' compensation and personal injury attorney? Well, I was doing domestic law for a brief stint of six months. So family law um, and representing very, very high asset clients. Um, and my, I'd come just come from being a special assistant attorney general at the Fulton County Juvenile Court. So representing um, defects in child deprivation claims. And so when I went to do family law, I saw a lot of the obvious stupidity that went on back and forth between husband and wives whenever they were getting divorced and how they would triangulate their children. So my biggest thing was don't fuck with your kids and I will be the best lawyer you've ever had. But if you start to mess with your kids, I'm going to murder you, right? So, um, however, you can't really tell people that are going through a divorce to get them to be really rational. So... I went to one of my best girlfriend from college's weddings and one of the partners from a law firm here in Atlanta was there and she said their workers comp um, area practice side was always hiring and that I should interview with him and I came back and I interviewed and it was lovely and I got the job and I put my domestic relations days behind me. No, and think I had several girlfriends do domestic and still the do worst. after college. Oh my God, the stories they say are terrible. None of my friends are married to their husbands anymore because I feel like it seems like it's just a complete... All it like, will do mind. is fuck with your mind yeah. all day long. It's awful because you see actually what goes on between couples. And it's it's really like there's no rationality behind it. Like, so you can't sit there and be like, hey, you know, you did at one point in time love each other. You did used to make love and have sex and enjoy each other's company and go on vacations and have cocktails and laugh and do all those things. By the time you're in a divorce, it is like the worst of the parties, the worst of that individual soul. And when you throw children together into that mix where you can try and use them to punish the other party, it's, I mean, it's outrageous. It's outlandish. And and you have to really love the, um, you have to love conflict. I became a lawyer because I wanted to help people, not because I loved the conflict. There are a lot of lawyers that love the conflict side, but I think to do family law, you have to enjoy the conflict. I mean, it sounds exhausting. It was the worst. I mean, I, all day, all night, you're fighting over toaster ovens and shit like that. It's absurd. You can't. And so I believe, like me, you started out and you did workers' comp defense. You represented employers and insurance companies yes. for quite a while before yes. figuring out you were, in fact meant to be on the side where you could help your clients. Yes. Well, and that's my biggest thing is I love helping my clients. So uh, 
this is this is I'll try to make this convoluted story as short as possible. So I had worked at two larger defense firms in Atlanta for about five and a half years doing uh, workers comp defense. And um, I went on to uh, one of the top plaintiff lawyers in the state asked me, he, he said, I'm looking for somebody to groom to take over my firm. Right. And this was in Cedartown, Georgia. So this is an hour and a half away from Atlanta. And he had his own plane and a Porsche and uh, all the things. And it had been his father's firm beforehand. So I said, well, yeah, <laughs> sign me up. I'll drive to Cedartown and back every day. So three hours in the car round trip. Got very friendly with the uh, Love's, Love's truck stop, Lake Alatoona up there. Cause I that's love where that you would Love's. That's a good one. It yeah. was. It was mm-hmm. good. Became very friendly with all the people that worked there. Um, and then... I started after Labor Day of 2011. So within, I don't know, maybe two weeks, I got pregnant with Adeline. Was that by him or? (laughs) (laughs) No, it wasn't. But it did really put a damper on some things because he smoked all the time in his office. And I actually at the time smoked cigarettes too. So I couldn't have been happier about it. I was like, yes, we're just going to be like smoking in an office like madmen. This is going to be amazing. Except then I became pregnant. And uh, obviously, obviously I obviously quit yeah, yeah. smoking because no, that's what pregnant. you, sorry, what's what you yeah. have to do. So I would have to like, you know, hide outside half the time. And he had to stop smoking in his damn office that was around the corner, which he had been doing for, you know, 60 years. So I felt terrible about it. But um, it was not by him. It was actually by my husband. Um, and so I was throwing up. I had that, whatever it's called, gravidarium or whatever you get where you throw up for the full 10 months of your pregnancy. So um, I was pulling over uh, on the road multiple times between Cedartown and back to vomit and some weird things started going on where some clients started calling asking where their money was and I was like well I don't know let me look at the file and I'd look at the file they'd be like uh well it I was like oh it looks like it's settled so I went to the partner and I'm like hey man uh, so where is this client's money? Cause they called, it looks like it settled like a month ago or so, or two months ago. And he goes, oh, we're waiting on the Medicare set aside, which is, um, future medical treatment. If you are a Medicare recipient or likely to be entitled to Medicare in the very near future. And he's like, we're waiting on approval of the Medicare set aside. So, and I was like, oh yeah, okay. That makes sense. So that's fine. And then the paralegals started looking at me and they'd like shake their heads. And I was like, why, why, what are you doing? Why are you shaking your head at me? Like, that's what's going on. And they go, Sarah, they're not waiting on an MSA. The MSA has already been approved a while ago. And I was like, well, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, okay, so where's the money? And I would go back into the partner and I'd say, hey, man. Um, So the paralegal said that that's not actually the case. So can we go ahead and write the check there to the clients for their funds, like immediately? And uh, so November 4th, I received a phone call before I came to the office. It was like 7 a.m. And uh, some of the staff was there and they said, we're being raided by the GBI and the FBI. (laughs) And I go, the fuck did you just say? And they go, yeah, it's people with a bunch of like letters on the back of their jackets. And I was like, they go, what should we do? I go, I don't know. Give them whatever the fuck they want. Obviously. Don't Don't try. I was like, don't do anything. Like, unlock the cabinets and the drawers and give them your fucking computers and phones and do all the things. Like, that's what you do right. when as people with letters on the back of their fucking jacket show up. So, um, I had to, he got arrested uh, for embezzling, like, I don't know, $2.7 million or something from his clients. Um, and it was fucking terrible. And again, I was, 
you know, six, seven months pregnant at the time. So I was like, I've left my defense job for this fuckery. With a consistent paycheck. With a consistent paycheck and health insurance, all the things. Yeah, And I'm like, okay, well, this is clearly not what I'm meant to do. And so I uh, had to incorporate immediately and take over a law firm because, again, his father had been it before. Uh, So take over a law firm that had been around in Cedartown for like 70 years and then made sure that kind of everybody got jobs with different firms around there because it's not a lot of industry up in Cedartown and Rome anymore. And then I came back to Atlanta beaten and broke. I mean, not that I wasn't here every day, but, you know, hypothetically. Um, came back to Atlanta and said, fuck, well, I obviously need to go back and do defense. And my mentor at the time, who was like a second dad, John Sweet, mm-hmm. who we call kind of the godfather of workers' comp in Georgia, um, one of the most amazing individuals on the planet who has passed away about three years ago. He said, fuck you, you are not, he also had a mouth like me, 100%. So he was like, fuck you, you are not going back to do defense. You are meant to be on this side. You're going to come into my office I'm going to rent you space for $500 and I'm going to send you referrals and you're going to be okay. So his office was actually on Trinity Avenue. So it was right above a men's alcoholic homeless shelter. So every morning I would go downtown and I was, I mean, I also got preeclampsia. This is all why I only have one child, but it's where your blood pressure spikes and you absorb a bunch of water. So I went from only getting 15 pounds heavier in the first eight months to within two weeks, I gained another 35 pounds of water weight, like in two weeks. So my man, eventually you were so hot. (laughs) (laughs) You have no idea. I will say the, well, you know this, you had twins, but the amount of men who actually want to sleep with you when you're pregnant is some weird shit. It is so so disgusting and so bizarre because you're like, I've never felt more fucking gross in my life. And they're like, so what are you doing later? I'm like, are you, do so you gross. not see what's happening here? Particularly, like, I had a lot of significantly older men. They love that shit. Oh, my God. I'm like, well, first of all, I'm definitely not banging like, you. No. No. It's and gross. I was huge. When I, I was wider than I was tall when I was pregnant with one. I don't so like, know how you would be. I mean, so Rebecca's one, <laughs> so I'm not sure how she even moved. She probably looked like Humpty Dumpty, poor little thing. So. It's uh, gross. I only had one shirt that fit that he, I wore for, like, the last month. Was it a crop top? No. I mean, it was by the end. <laughs> Maybe that's why they're hitting on you. They're like, I don't know. She kind of looks pregnant, but she kind of looks down. Like so a maybe I should. It's totally fine. Um, so I would step over these lovely um, homeless alcoholics every morning to get into the office. And they'd all peed like in the doorway and stuff. So it smelled like urine. But I felt like home. Uh, you know, it was just so loving and a kind environment. They nicknamed me Waddlemeyer um, because I was so big and could barely walk. And so they'd be like, what's up, Waddlemeyer? How like, you doing today? Can we do today? this episode, uh, questions with Sarah Waddlemeyer? Yeah, it was. It, so it was awful. Um, but it all worked out for the best. And now, uh, and I've had my own law firm for now 12 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm now the president of the Workers' Comp Claimants Lawyers Attorney Bar for the Georgia Trial Lawyers Association. And I do think one of the blessings of doing workers' comp work is you do get to help people. You know, our clients are often, they're all laborers, right? They're all going through the worst of the worst. Nope. Mm -mm. Um, And they've just been through some tough times. And I I compare what we do a lot of times to being a therapist, right? I mean, so much of it is 90% of it is holding hands and walking through, which is why I think that women are so much better at this area of law. I mean, Least equal, but I would generally say better. I'm trying to be PC for the emotional part. I mean, because it's 
people's families fall apart. They lose their houses. They lose, they lose their cars. They get arrested for failure to pay child so support. Their awful, medical yeah. treatments delayed. They lose their checks. Everybody falls off auto pay. So it is huge amounts of therapy trying to get them through. So the hand-holding thing, um, I'm a helper. And so if I can help you get through your case and stuff, then I feel personal satisfaction. So it's somewhat selfish, but it's good. So you also mediate as well. I do, yes. And I'm going to gonna give you a softball question, but this is a question I get Fantastic. all the time from my clients, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so as we're kind of going through workers' compensation claims and getting benefits paid, I always feel like t- when we get toward the end, my clients always, they want justice, right? They want their day in court. Everybody wants justice. And I'm always like, look, I'm not opposed to a day in court. I love a good day in court. But before we go, why don't we mediate your case? Huge. Um, And so could you kind of explain for our listeners why mediation as opposed to a day in court is an important thing to do in workers' comp? Absolutely. So first, everybody needs to know that 95% of the administrative law judges at the State Board of Workers' Comp are former defense attorneys. They've never represented an injured worker in their lives, right? So they are obviously gonna come into the job with some preconceived notions. Um, You know, I think a lot of uh, notions is people are, are milking the system or people are so excited to stay out and be hurt, they're just getting paid a lot of money. Well. Georgia has the second lowest uh, weekly indemnity rate in the entire country. Um, we have some of the most difficult laws in the country as far as workers' comp goes, including a 400-week medical cap where you only get, unless you're a catastrophic injury, only get medical treatment for 400 weeks instead of lifetime. I think we might be actually the only only state that has that. I think we are, yep. Yep. So it's a pretty shitty system, uh, to put it lightly. So when people say they want their day in court, um, I'm always like, you don't want your day in court. Absolutely. If you can avoid it, you want to avoid it. So a couple of things. When I did defense, I was 23 and zero, which means I won 23 workers comp trials in a row, uh, against my opposing counsel who represented injured workers. Yay for me. So I felt like I was Matlock. What turns out, I was actually just practicing law in a very conservative, employer-insurer-friendly state. So then I went over to the claimant side. I got my ass kicked a couple times when I obviously thought that I should have won. Um, so one thing to remember is you never know how an administrative law judge is going to rule. There's no jury of your peers. Um, they can never make the employer-insurer settle. You know, a lot of times I hear that well, I just, what, can't they make them settle for this amount? I'm like, no, actually, they never have to settle your case. The only way that you go before an administrative law judge is if uh, the employer and insurer are fucking with you, either they haven't paid your benefits or they haven't authorized medical treatment or you're trying to get a catastrophic designation. Um, so the, those are really the only reasons why you would go to a hearing, but a lot of times you're going to lose if you're the injured worker. I don't write the rules. It's not fair. It's horrendous. So mediation gives you an opportunity to sit down with the defense attorney um, on your case, which will have, uh, you know, generally adjusters not there like PI claims, but um, they will be accessible via phone and they will have already prepared what's called a settlement evaluation and send it over to the adjuster. And they've given them authority to try and get the case resolved, right? At that point in time, all of your cases in one specific room, all the people that are responsible for your making decisions in your case are there and accessible and able to talk about it. So I'm a mediator at Bay Mediations, um, which is a private mediation firm, and I probably do 80% personal injury case mediations and probably 20% workers' comp mediations, but it's huge because it's the last time you'll have complete control of your case. 
And so I imagine you see great lawyers, bad lawyers. Oh, God. Great yeah. clients, bad uh-huh. clients. Mm-hmm. Any recommendations that you have um, to our listeners, particularly attorneys, as to what they can do um, coming into a mediation? Like what's something convincing to you that you feel like you can walk into the other room and get some additional dollars? Because that's what it comes down to. Absolutely. It's all money. So um, kind of when I sit down with the parties for a mediation, uh, well, number one, the difference in workers' comp and personal injury mediations are um, when you're looking at a workers' comp mediation, you're not going to have all the parties in one room to do an opening. You know, generally you're, they're going to be apart while your attorney will tell me exactly what's happened in your case. And then I'll go to the defense attorney in a different room and he'll tell me what happened or she'll tell me what happened and what their position of their client is. In a personal injury mediation, you will have all parties in one room together and they do an opening. I think it's very helpful when the plaintiff's lawyer does a PowerPoint because they can show um, Google Maps of like, where the accident transpired, what are the damage to the vehicle, here's the total meds, all of those things. I think it's very helpful. Um, One thing I don't think is helpful is if any defense attorney who's there comes in and says, well, this is why I think your case is a load of shit, and I'm going to tell you why you're a liar (laughs) and where you got, you know, uh, a little off on your deposition testimony and highlight to that, and they're sitting, like, from me to you and being like, I think you're absolutely a fucking liar. I think that's bullshit, and this is why I shouldn't pay you much. I mean, that sets as somebody who's had that happen before. Oh, I it's mean, awful. It totally, I mean, for our clients, you know, they're already emotional. They've already been hurt. It's been a tough road. But to be attacked at a mediation, which, let's be honest, should be the most pleasant day in your case because someone's coming to offer money. Exactly. I mean, it is, it, it creates it blows a two-hour psychology up. session. Yeah. And, for, uh, for the plaintiff's attorney. You have to literally walk into the room uh, with the defense. Well, I I mean, I didn't. been like, what in the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Did you want to blow up the case? Or yeah. do you want to, like, actually get it resolved? Yeah. Like, if you if you didn't want it settled, then don't schedule a mediation, right? Because right? if you're scheduling a med- mediation, as long as it's not court-ordered, then you generally have the goal of settlement. So it, that's very frustrating. If you're a defense attorney, please just walk in and say, hi, it's so nice to meet you. Thank you for being here. We know this has been difficult for you. I have all my people on the phone, and we look forward to hopefully getting this resolved today. That's it. Just then stop. shut the fuck up. Then negotiate. Exactly. Then start putting money on the table. So, Perfect. That's a good tip. Mm-hmm. Well, so I thought it would be fun. I'm going to – not all of our listeners probably know all the super fun things that you did – pre-lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was hoping you could share a fun fact with, about a celebrity that you met <laughs> spring break 99. I think spring break 99 may have been the best spring break of all 99. time for everyone. Yeah. So spring break 99. Who did you meet and where and what did you do with them on spring break 99? So if you Google sync tearing up my heart, Spring Break MTV, Fashionably Loud, I'm actually the thumbnail on uh, <laughs> on the Google, <laughs> on the World Wide Web to me uh, coming out during the fashion show. So um, I was in Cancun with a bunch of people and I got selected to do... Uh, <laughs> the MTV Fashionably Loud as one of the models on there. And so it was sync and Eminem and Busta Rhymes and God, there was one other boy band, but I can't remember who the hell it was. Um, and it was so fun. And so I ended up dancing with Justin Timberlake 
on the stage because he came running out. So you can actually find that on the World Wide Web. I mean, you should definitely check it out. He's <laughs> definitely grinding on her, which not a lot of people can say The JT. It was amazing, but I will say the he most... He was not hot then. He was not as hot then. He was not as hot then. No, he definitely wasn't. And but it's still I hot. was more interested in hanging out, unfortunately, which was stupid, uh, but with Busta Rhymes and his whole group because it was so much fun. So I'm actually in... I think three of the video fashion shows from that year with Eminem uh, and Busta and In Sync. But yes, God, JT, I love that man. Ooh, he's, he's lovely. He is, and his cutie. wife is equally lovely. Oh, she's God, gorgeous. she's stunning. Anyway, she's on Ryan's cheat list. Like that's fair. For sure. Well, so you've made that We've equal, right? That. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> okay, good work. <laughs> but yeah, um, so that that was a little fun unknown fact about me. Perfect. Oh, good. Yes. Um, well, cheers. I've, I have not had nearly as much of this as you have. I do I'm, like it better now that the ice has melted. It does make it a little bit more palatable, but I am probably, I might pour another one because I couldn't Maybe love bourbon more. It's delicious. <laughs> She's like, I'll just let you drink mine. But I'm glad I tried it. Um, yes, but this was a lovely fun episode. Thank That's you like so much. Cheers. And we'll do one in the future because I want to hear all things about uh, Rebecca Kirkland Holberg. I mean, I'm not nearly as excited. Oh, yes, you are. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us for episode five. You can find us wherever you find your podcast. Yes. Um, and you can find us on YouTube and we have a really great marketing intern who's been posting some pretty funny uh She's the cutest thing shorts. you've ever seen in your entire yeah. life. She's like 24 years old. She's yeah. so damn cute. Everybody needs an alley. So um, thanks. Cheers. Thank you. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com. 